Hey folks, in today's Dreamers Succeed podcast, we're going to be talking about what it truly takes to live a life of fulfillment. We're going to be speaking with addiction preventionist, keynote speaker, author, and awakening coach, Jay Jawitz. Jay's going to share his experience by taking us through the journey of his recovery, his awakening, and what it took for him to step into his power and into that space where he's bringing tremendous transformation to his coaching clients and audiences around the globe. We hope you'll enjoy. So, hola, welcome, folks, to one of our first episodes for the Dreamer Succeed podcast. I want to welcome everyone here. We have a great guest today, Jay Jowitz. He is an awakening coach, he is a keynote speaker, an author, and a kick ass addiction preventionist. So, Hi, Jay. Hi, Berta. How's it going? It is going great. I'm Very <laughs> excited to be here. I'm so happy you're here. This is going to be a great, a great um, episode for you all. Those of you who do not know Jay yet, you will, and and I know you're going to fall in love with him after this episode. But I just want to get really right into it because a lot of times, as I talk about Jay and Jay and I do a lot of coaching together. He's a coach as well, and we do a lot of speaking engagements together. It's a it's a trip for me to be even sharing a stage with him sometimes. But a lot of people ask me, well, what's, what's an addiction preventionist? Um, so can we start there, Jay? Sure. Awesome. Uh, it's an actually a fabulous question. And there's an addiction crisis going on in this country. And for the last several years, I've been observing the solutions that come up. And I see that the problem is going to get a lot worse before it gets better, unless there's a drastic change. And currently, the people that are doing most of the work when it comes to the word addiction, as far as drug rehabilitation centers, they play their part. But we're talking about prevention. And I've been observing people in recovery and listening to people for over 18 years share vulnerability sharing their vulnerability, sharing honestly, and discussing the reasons on why they picked up substances to begin with and became addicted, and listening over years and years and years. After a while, the stories are the same. They look a little bit different, but the patterns are the same. The limiting beliefs are the same the problems in their household were the same. And there's a common pattern among parents that I've seen, especially with my experience on the things that my parents could have done differently. And I no longer come from a place of victimization because I know victims always stay stuck. But I know that there's things that my parents could have done differently. And every person that I've been in an intimate relationship with and dug into the deepness of their life and going through their life history 
and revisiting their past and getting to the core of discovering who they are, the reality is, is that in a world today, I've become more conscious and awake to what kept me from discovering who I really am. And I believe that if parents could know that the actions that they take today are taking care of not only their future self, but the future well-being of their children. So addiction prevention starts with parenting. And it can start as early as the womb because one of the factors of addiction is trauma. It was for me. And I believe that knowing a little bit about my mother, the way she carried herself when she was having me for the first time, she must have been filled up with fear inside, knowing her as a person. And that trauma, if there's fighting or arguing in a household or tension or fear, I don't understand the medical profession a whole lot, but I can understand how that trauma can affect a baby before it's even exposed to this world. But I do know, starting at the age of two, of things that happened, it started shaping my life in a big way. And if you told any mother that if you take this certain action with your two-year-old, that it can possibly cause addiction down the road, I think parents, mothers especially, would become more awake to the actions that they take, Mm -hmm. that they could recreate their plan for parenting and the little actions moment to moment. They could plan a different outcome for their child by becoming awake to the information that me and people that have been in recovery for a lot of years, it's such valuable information. And I think it's the information from someone who's been down the dark road of addiction, who's done that work, rediscovered themselves, and discovered a whole new way of life, has the answers. Nobody is looking necessarily to people who've been down a dark road And the reason that is, is as soon as somebody, I don't want to say everybody, Mm -hmm. most people, when they hear the word addiction, immediately there's a judgment in their mind, an association, or a stigma. Mm -hmm. And if society starts to understand addiction really for what it is, it paves the way for a consciousness change. I love it. I love it. So, Jay, let me ask you, do you, because I know you've done so much work and you've you've helped thousands of people through the recovery process in your years as, as someone who was mentoring people into recovery and into getting out of an, uh, an addictive situation. Do you feel that what is happening now or what is being done now is just not effective? I mean, I I'm I'm on the outside, and I can tell you, I, I just don't think it's working. Well, there's two parts of that. When we look at recovery, and we can look at prevention, and just real quick to talk about recovery, that there's, I personally never went to a drug rehabilitation center. Mm-hmm. I went down a very dark road and happened to 
start my journey with a 12-step program. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the most effective solution. At least it's the one that I know of. I'm not saying that there's not other ways out there because there is. Mm -hmm. But there's, in the recovery community, it's, it is a business. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of bad rehab centers out there. And I just facilitated groups at one recently for the last two years, and it was spectacular. They had an incredible culture. They really made a difference because they set people up to win for ongoing recovery. I know that there's a lot of drug rehab centers that are just about making money. Mm -hmm. They don't care about people's well-being, and they will keep people stuck in a cycle, and nobody's winning. And every situation in life, in my opinion— and I believe you'll agree, should always be win-win. Mm -hmm. Every transaction should always be win-win. When it comes to prevention, I'm not finding anything being done. Yeah. I don't see any results. I see our problems in our middle schools, especially now in our high schools, and especially with our young 20-year-olds, especially what we've just seen with the opioid crisis mm -hmm. in the last few years, it's gotten a little quieter, and we could get into that, but that's not really that important. The results are not getting any better. They're getting worse. Something needs to change. And I believe, and I, I actually should say with a state of certainty, that I have the answer. Yeah, yeah. And we talked a little bit yesterday, Jay, about your empowerment program. And I think it just plays to your heart because, you know, you have a great program, you know what's going to work for people, you know, you can get into the schools, you can get to the parents, just you just want to get it out there, where everyone else might be looking for a way to monetize that. You're just like, I just want to get it into people's hands. And it's free. And I know that resource is going to be available on your website, just as a, as a free resource to parents and, and kids and, and, and schools, which I think is going gonna, is gonna to be something that's going to take off. But tell me a little bit about how that was born, that empowerment program. Addiction prevention, like I said, it starts at home. It starts with parenting. And I believe there's the educational system has its part to play, and it's not been playing the part. Mm -hmm. an, an education about the dangers of various drugs or substance abuse it's critical information. It's important. And kids should know that information. And when I was younger, they had those films. And I believe we were both, I believe you went to school in Dade County? Yep. So we were probably exposed to the, some of the same films on those film projectors. Mm -hmm. And they would show us, they'd show us these films. And I remember the 1980s and Nancy Reagan, and she meant very well which was she started her campaign with Say No to Drugs. Mm -hmm. And the information, it's not so simple as just to say no. There's a missing piece. And if you asked me what the opposite of addiction is, the answer would be fulfillment. And I believe what's missing in our education system and with parenting is leading our children to one, discovering who they really are, what their purpose is, what their dreams are, 
and what they're meant to do, because that is where they are going to find happiness. That is where they are going to have a fulfilled life. Looking back again to the public school system, and I might just, you know, bring something nostalgic back for you. I don't know. But there were two things that I remember watching on those film projectors. Mm -hmm. I know that I remember it was a great hour that we didn't have to do our studies and we got to (laughs) watch a film, right? So it was great, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. because we weren't having to do whatever we were having to do in the classroom. But I remember the, the, the say no to drug kind of things that were dangerous. And back then, the drugs were different. And I remember they showed, if you do drugs, you'll jump off a building. Mm-hmm. And I remember something else that they played every single year. And it was free to be you and me. Mm. And I really don't want to start <laughs> singing right now because I will destroy our interview right now. But... The words to that song, I believe it was Marlo Thomas, created that and created those those films that we watch. That was more of addiction prevention than what they were actually showing. Mm -hmm. Because my vision for the world is that if every child, if every young person discovered who they really are and lived a fulfilled life and asked themselves the questions like, why am I in this world? Who am I? What is my purpose? And what is my contribution to this world? And I, those questions are answered. And children are given empowerment and f- a focus on what their dreams, what their goals, what they really want, not necessarily what their parents really want. Mm-hmm. Because I know that my parents controlled my life. And because my parents controlled my life, I didn't know that I had a voice in my own life. And I had to go down the dark road of addiction to then find recovery, to then find my voice, find out who I really am, find out what I'm meant to do in this world. And I believe that if children are given the freedom to discover what makes them happy, where their passion lies, to know that they have a voice in, my, in their life, And they can put a focus on their dreams and goals and what they really want. And then they can have an understanding that there's a monster out there called addiction that is the quickest way to give away your freedom and everything that's good in your life. They will start to make better decisions. See, I believe that no one has given our young people the tools to live life on life's terms. I learned some simple principles in recovery that if I had those principles and was focused on what I really wanted and not what my parents wanted for me, if I had those tools, I would have made completely different decisions. Now, don't get me wrong. I am grateful that I got to experience what it's like to live in hell. I am forever grateful Because some people have to go on the hero's journey to discover who they are. And because I went through hell, I got to have this great spiritual experience of discovering myself on the other side. So, if you ask me if I do it again, the answer would be no. The reason is, is I believe I was blessed and there's many people that go to hell 
and they're not with us no more. They're not with us no more. There are thousands of people dying. 130 people a day in this country from opioid drug overdose alone. That's not even talking about all the other reasons when we start getting into alcoholism and distracted driving and sugar and social media or whatever it is. Addiction can be in so many ways. And I think a society society doesn't understand really how addiction plays a role in every single one of our lives every single day addiction is playing a role and it doesn't necessarily things can change and i believe the change starts at home changing the parents and there's responsibility that parents when they have this information there's a responsibility that i believe parents are just going to jump on because you tell a mother that something's going to hurt her child down the road, she's going to do everything in her heart, if she's a good mother, to take some action and to make some changes. And I think up until now, the problem with addiction prevention is that there hasn't been that proper information and that clarity and that understanding. And there's a whole, I believe there's a whole deeper message underlying all of this. Yeah. yeah. And Jay, what it sounds like is, which I think I find really, really interesting, is that we've become a society that just loves to put band-aids on shit. I mean, you look at every other, we were watching some program the other day, and I think three of four commercials in between were pharmaceuticals. And they give you all these labels, but they just want to put a name on a, on, a, on a condition so that they can sell you a pill and then you're a consumer for life. God forbid they should try to holistically try to cure what's making you sick, but let's put a Band-Aid on it because mm-hmm. we can. there's more money in the Band-Aid. So I think what I'm hearing is that whatever they're doing is still that Band-Aid. You can find other Band-Aids because remember, you're talking about addiction prevention and I've never heard that. What I hear is, drug prevention, drug abuse prevention, alcohol prevention, but there's no the root cause of why all those things happen and get abused is not being addressed. So what it sounds like to me is that with your program and the way that you're seeing it, and I'm sure this came to be because you were chosen to bring the message, and I know that that what a what a messenger and what a powerful messenger you are. But I think that that what you're trying to do is Fix the underlying so that we don't need the Band-Aid. You're right on the money. And think about Star Wars. And think about how the end of some of those episodes, I know in the first one, that there's always like, how do they hit the monster vehicle? They have to hit it at the core. Mm -hmm. If you're going to slay a monster and the monster is big, it's dangerous, it's monstrous. You have to hit it at the core. And the symptoms get addressed. And then you can start even getting into conversations that the symptoms, behind every symptom, there's lobbying, there's people making money, but no one's really addressing, truly making a change in society. And we have to see the problem for what it is before we can hit it at the core. 
we see the symptoms, we see the epidemics. Now we're seeing vape and with our young kids. And really, it's all different facets of the same monster. And really, if you take, we could say addiction is a pattern in our brain, mm-hmm. where it's an obsessive, compulsive thing that we do over and over again. It becomes a pattern in the brain. But really what addiction is, it's an escape. It's an escape from ourselves. And if we're changing as people, as a society, if we're changing, if we're becoming fulfilled, the experience that we get to have one moment to the next when we're present, when we're connected, when we're fulfilled, there is no Band-Aid, there is no outside fix. There's nothing that we can be preoccupied with at all that will replace the experience when we connect to ourselves on that level. That is the gold. That is the hit. That is the treasure when we really connect and start to awaken to a higher experience because all we see are the band-aids and our society has become the context for it. Whoever created, I understand, like, let's just go off subject for a brief moment and talk about the vaping epidemic. I believe whoever created the idea of electronic cigarette had a great intention, if that's the truth. I don't know, but if that's what I hear, is their intention was to help people stop smoking. Mm-hmm. And then there's this undercurrent, and I have to say it the way it is, it's an evil undercurrent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if people have problems around the word evil, but I understand that addiction is a force of evil. Mm-hmm. And that evil undercurrent understands that people want to escape themselves, understands that we escape ourselves with sugar, or we escape ourselves with social media, or how whatever it is that people do to escape themselves. We could get into those conversations all day long, right. whatever it is. But when we don't need to escape ourselves, right, we know that the solution is to be fulfilled. Enter fulfillment, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So, Jay, I know you speak to PTAs and you, you're you out there all the time. I know you're doing a lot of coaching with parents around the awakening them to what is really happening in the world and how they can not only avoid it for their kids, but when they see certain signs, what they can do to... Um, remediate what the path seems to be like it's happening. How do you feel that the coaching, and I know it just comes from the speaking because you're out there, you're a natural coach, you're naturally wanting to help people and equip them with the right tools. How do you feel that that is not only being received, but but it's energizing the the clients that you serve to empower them with what they need to to be able to help their kids. When it comes to parents, I've coached parents that have in that have children with addiction. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to parents, part of what I do as a coach is help them not to be the problem. And there's a lot of what they do. They will love their child to death, but they'll love them into a coffin. Mm -hmm. 
And when it comes to coaching parents for the sake of changing their life so they can create the context for their children, it's be that power of example. Teach your children, for you to teach your children to have a fulfilled life. And two parts of that is, there's always two parts to fulfillment. They're basically two emotional needs that every human being has. And it's the needs of our spirit that we have to grow spiritually or personally develop and be contribution or service to others. So we have those two things. Parents can't teach that if they're not being source for that. And that is what I lead parents towards is being that source. Once they start there, they can be the source for addiction prevention. And it works in the same way that parents are powers of example. And I know that most kids of good parents, their parents are their heroes. And they look up to them, and they follow them, and they do what they do. And to kind of go off subject for a minute, when you come to creating the context for addiction prevention, what happens when, let's just hypothetically say, for example, a woman drinks a glass of wine every single night? I have no judgment of that, right? So where she's not drinking alcoholically, she has her one glass of wine every night. It's not a problem for her. Doesn't seem like a problem at all. Young kids. Let's talk about young kids for a moment. What do young kids do? They ask lots of questions. And what's the big response when mommy gives an answer to a question when they're five years old? Why? Right. Right. <laughs> so let's just hypothetically say, for example, that a mother drinks a glass of wine every night. Like I said, there's no judgment behind that. But when a five-year-old asks mommy, 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 what, why do you do that every night? And the response is, maybe mom just straight out says, well, it's something that grown-ups do. Or the response can be, it's how mommy deals with stress. Mm -hmm. At that moment, that child is getting an education. There's a seed that's being planted in her mind. Now let's fast forward seven years. Now her daughter's 12 years old. And... She's accepted that mommy drinks a glass of wine every night. And let's just say mom's still drinking a glass of wine every night, and it's not caused any unmanageability in her life. So there's zero judgment behind that for me. But now we look at the 12-year-old daughter, and her friend asks her to hit a vape pipe. And her friends and, and her friend says, Well, what is what is that? And why do you do that? And her friend's response is, is that it's cool. And, you know, when kids at 12 years old hear the word cool, they want in, right? So, but then her also says, yeah, and by the way, it helps me deal with stress. Now, the validation of watching her mom drink that glass of wine every night, if that child is 12 years old, and 12, I know for me, when I was 12 years old, and I was in middle school, I literally just got a knot in my stomach going back there and thinking about what it felt for me being 12 years old with the challenges that I had Mm -hmm. with what I was going through. I dealt with a lot of stress in a lot of ways, whether it's bullying, whether it was grades, whether it was my image, whether it was not fitting in. There's so many things that I dealt with at 12 years old and so many issues that were going on in my life 
that if I had an outlet for stress, I was going to jump all over it. So now this 12-year-old girl can justify and rationalize why she's doing something that she probably heard in school in one of these say no to vaping, (laughs) vaping's bad, it's dangerous, but it's an outlet for her stress. Mm -hmm. Now she has a solution in her mind where it's really not a solution. It's a solution, but it's not a good solution. Mm -hmm. She found a way to escape. And for me, before I was 12 years old, it was... Addiction ran rampant with myself. It was chasing girls. It was collecting baseball cards. It was getting attention. It was sports. It was a lot of healthy things, too. But I used to escape myself. But after a while, like, where does the line get drawn on what's healthy and what's not? Because after a while, certain things don't work. And that's the nature of addiction. So when going back to parents... I believe parents have to be source. They have to be power of example for their children. And the actions that parents can take, they're not going to take all of them, but that's quite all right. Because I was mentioning yesterday that if parents took four or five of the deliverables, their child's experience and their experience would be drastically different than currently what the experience that they have and what the results will be down the road. I don't expect parents to like do absolutely everything. I expect parents that when they have the information to take action on where it fits them and where they see they can take action. Because a lot of the actions that they take, it's not just about addiction prevention. Mm -hmm. It's creating a higher quality of life and really getting into those deeper questions of finding that ideal quality of life, that ideal situation, that dream life mm-hmm. that we like to dream about that yeah. many people don't even believe is a possibility anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I agree with you, Jay, because I think that a lot of times as parents, we're just doing the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes we're not even aware. If somebody is not telling us, listen, this could create a problem down the line where we can take it out look at it and deal with it, we just don't know. We just think it's it's normal. We might be doing the same thing that our parents did and they're doing the same thing that their parents did. And we just don't know any better. And a lot of times we're, and I joke around this all the time because I'll, you know we have nine cousins and we all got married the same year. So we all had kids sort of the same time and our kids are more or less the same age. And we have these conversations all the time now that we're on the other side of parenthood or children are adults. And I say, man, if I, knowing what I know now, if I could go back and do it over again, Mm. I'd probably do it exactly the same way. Not because it was perfect, but because it, it's, it's still the best way that I know how. Okay. And, and I think that what happens is there's not that injection from someone saying, listen, and thank God, you know, our kids are all good kids. They're, you know, everybody's a good kid, but they've, sort of stayed um, within the value system of the family and and things like that. But you're sort of like thinking, you know, what if, what if, what if I had known better? What if I had certain tools? What if I had done, you know, had a way of doing certain things different? What would it look like now? Um, So, so that's really where I see that there's so much value and and i know you do a lot of workshops and you have one coming up we'll talk about that in a minute um next month but around just the principles which are so basic 
and so foundational? I think that you hit on a key word, and the word was aware. Mm -hmm. And that word is a trigger for me. And it's really that when it comes to awakening, and it comes to evolving as a planet, and it comes to as time, when it comes to consciousness, there's more information out there that over time, we are awakening. Now, some people are going deeper into a sleep, but some people are awakening as more information comes available. And when more information becomes available, parents or people in general can just have a different experience of life because they're getting experience that's passed mm -hmm. down. And when I really look at, I authored the life that I had, and I believe I've authored it. It was meant to be that way. But the reality, there's a lot of parents, like I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of parents that don't have their child anymore. Mm -hmm. They had to bury a child, and they had to ask themselves the question, where did I go wrong? And the only answer that I would be able to give them is to tell them that, there's a good, that they were a good parent. Yeah. And wow. any coach, any life coach... And especially if you would ask Tony Robbins, any life coach is part of their job is to take the standards of the person they're working with to another level. Mm -hmm. And part of my job as a coach and as a motivator and as a speaker is to take the quality of life of the people and as many people as I can connect with lives to another level. And part of that is they have to have that awareness and ask themselves, what's possible to take my life to another level? And when we know that there's possibility out there behind hope, there always has to be action. And that won't happen unless people become aware that there are, there is information that's out there where they can take different action to create better future results. I love it. I love it. So Jay, because I think this is important too, and you just you just said something that that triggered something in me that I meant to ask you earlier. It's and I know that you speak to all sides. Okay. If we if we looked at this as a as a triangle and you have the side of the school system, which is really educating our kids and a lot of parents are are leaving the value system up to the school system. And that, I think, is a huge um, gamble that they're taking. But they, they, really, they really see it that way, and it's not the school's responsibility. So you have the parents that you speak with, and you have the school system that you speak with, and, and the PTA, which are parent organizations. But I know you speak to a lot of the you know, schools themselves, and you speak to the kids. You love these assemblies with the kids, and getting in front of the kids, and and just empowering them and breathing life into their dreams. Tell me of those three sectors, and I know that this is a tough question, but that's why we're here. What would you say is the most important one to get through to? For me, it was, it's the kids. It's my empowerment program. And it's getting the information and the empowerment program out to kids. And I believe if any parent 
unless their beliefs are just so far out there, looks at my empowerment program, they would see nothing but value for their children. And so it's a tough question when it's either the parents or the kids. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the school system. I don't believe the answer lies within the school system. The school system is stuck. And they see a problem. And like you mentioned before, they want to put a Band-Aid on the problem. Mm-hmm. Or they want to discipline the problem. Mm-hmm. Or they think instilling fear. Instilling fear is not going to empower our children to change. So that's a tough question between... The reason I first mentioned the kids and not the parents is there's a lot of controlling parents Mm -hmm. that are not giving their children the freedom to dream, to discover who they are, and to really adapt to the world that we're living in today. Think about when we grew up and the messages that we got that, you know, you work hard, you become a doctor Mm -hmm. or a lawyer. And like my father decided what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And really, you you know, Berta, that you were recently have heard that statistic. I Mm -hmm. believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but by 2030, 80% of the jobs are not going to be there. Yeah. Society's changed. And we've become an we're becoming an entrepreneur society. And it's imperative more than others that young people find their way. And they are definitely going to have challenges because the parents are going to be caught and stuck in their old beliefs, and those beliefs are going to keep their children stuck. There's going to be a lot of, and there already is. Mm -hmm. Think of how much of this country has, is forced to go get a college education, to put themselves in thousands of dollars of debt, and to start life as a young adult in a giant hole. And they haven't even found their way yet. And I'm not against a college education, but that education isn't necessarily going to get them the result of what they want. Mm-hmm. It's not going to necessarily get them even a job, let alone the one that they, they want. Right. Right. So when you start thinking about getting through the kids, they are going to have challenges, and part of their challenges is their own parents. Yeah. So it's one of those, for me, let's take the educational system and put it aside and it's it goes one of those questions i can go back and forth on whether it's the children or the parents but i believe that question is like asking what comes first the chicken or the egg i I really do because i believe there's some kids and i know there are young people that forget what their parents want they're going to leave as soon as they can leave the house Mm -hmm. and they know what they want and they're going to create freedom in the life that they want I was not one of those children. I didn't get out of the nest for a very long time because I didn't know I was able to. Now, do you think if you had heard Jay Jowitz at a school assembly at 16, 17 years old, that you would be saying that today? 
even I even with the controlling. Don't know if I would have, but it would have opened my eyes to know if I was given the information to know that I had a choice. But I didn't have a voice in my own life. And the empowerment program for our youth gives them a voice. I believe that everybody is powerful. Everybody. And if you tell certain, you tell a child with low self-esteem that they're powerful, they'll be like, what is this guy talking about? And it just means when you tell a child or you tell anybody, any human being that they're powerful, if they don't believe you, it only means that they've never discovered their power. And I'm a firm believer as a motivator, I know that everybody matters, everybody is enough, and everybody is powerful. And they have to discover their personal power. They have to open themselves up and discover. And part of the empowerment program is self-discovery. And the only way for me, oh, I don't want to say the only way, but I know for me, the way that I discovered my personal power is, you mentioned the workshop. Mm -hmm. And one of the workshops that I have that's coming up is about being powered by principles. And when I got clean and entered recovery from addiction, I said my experience was with 12 steps and practicing those principles in all my affairs and making a true commitment that I'm going to practice these principles in all my affairs like my life depends upon it. Shortly after, I was no longer working them because my life depended on it. I was working them because of the results that I was getting, mm -hmm. the change that was happening, what I started to discover was the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. I was becoming fulfilled. And becoming fulfilled is better than any drug, anything that can be outside of me. I learned that the answer is always within. And practicing those principles in all my affairs and having that commitment allowed me to find that version of myself that is the best outcome that leads me to my dream life. And if you really think about anybody that you've watched, think about yourself, think about any sports athlete, think about any person that you would hold up on a pedestal in that arena or in that context, think about and you will see the principles that they're practicing. Think about the hero's journey. Think about what it takes, and then think about the times in your life or anyone else's when they're stuck or when you're stuck or when I'm stuck. When I'm stuck, it's because I'm lacking in a principle. The answer always lies within the principles that I practice for me. And you know what's interesting, Jay, that at the beginning you said, you talked about two principles, and the main one was being in service of others. And I'm a big believer that Every success and the, the most beautiful way to achieve success is to be in the service of others. And that's the greatest level of success that you can achieve. But I remember when we, when I first learned your story, that you were telling me that when you got into recovery, that first time that you went um, to that prison and they sort of threw you in the lion's den and said, well, you're going to speak to this, to this group of people and you've never spoken to a group of people before. And I remember the anxiety coming from that, but how you left that experience sort of addicted, for lack of a better word, 
to being in service and helping people find that inner voice and, you know, seeing them through recovery. How you said, you know, when people didn't want to take, you know, I said, well, you can't do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go do your, your, you know, I'll staff your or lead your group. You, you were just hungry to bring that hope to people. Can you mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about, because I just think that, and as I've gotten to know you, I know that that's, that's the principle. And I know you, you, you're a very principled individual. And I know that you were even through your recovery, um, because that's just something that's in you. It's not something that goes away just because you're in a certain hell, as you described it. But can you tell me what that foundational um, just light of being in service has, what role that has played in what you decided to do with as a mission? Service is like everything. Going back to like my deepest, darkest hours of addiction, probably a few months before I actually got clean, there was one thing that I was doing right. I was suicidal and I was living like the walking dead. There was no life left in me. I was existing in hell. And I was asking myself, and I don't even know why I was asking myself, why am I here? And I know that that question was just enough of a spark to keep me alive. And later, as I started to change in recovery, there's something naturally that happens when we start to change as human beings. I believe we have a natural tendency to want to create that change for other people and to give others and to give others a chance to change or to have a shot at life or whatever it is to live their dreams for me there's nothing more rewarding in the world to get that level of connection because what it means when i have the ability to give to somebody else, to serve others, to serve mankind, to just practice in a random act of kindness, to spread love or do something simple for somebody. It can be huge, it can be simple, it's different one moment to the next. But when we get that level of connection, nothing makes me feel better. Everything feels perfect. And when I give a lot, things get really good in my life. I'm not consumed in self. I'm stepping out of self. I'm not in my head. I'm in my heart. And I believe that's the reason all of us are here on this planet, is to give, to connect, and to awaken to what is bigger out there. The answer is always love. And it's not fear. It's not. So giving is, being of service is, for me, it's like the biggest form of love that can possibly exist for me. It's the reason that I'm here is to give. 
And when I get removed from that and I get caught up in self, the results I get are completely different than the results I get when I'm giving. Mm-hmm. So it's always about service. And when you look at the 12-step experience, if you look at the way the principles are in an order, the last one, number 12, is service. Wow. And there's a reason for that. Because it's you receive and you transform and you discover who you are and you discover all those other principles because they design you as the person that now has something to give the rest of the world. The answer is always in service. I love it. I love it. Great. I love that. And and I love the way that, and it's just, um, one of my questions to you was going to be, what is your message? And I think if I had asked you, it wouldn't have sounded and come out so brilliantly because I know that that's who you are. And I've heard you speak and I know that's just, that's just what you breathe and what you live. So thank you for that. Um, Jay, putting modesty and humility aside, um, what one word describes Jay? Visionary. I love it. I believe, I mentioned earlier, I believe I was gifted to go to hell and have that experience. You can, I'm sure you know, many people that spend their whole life doing everything possible to not go to hell. Mm -hmm. I've already been there. And it's not a pretty place. And because I've been there, I was given the opportunity to know what's on the other side of hell. So I got to experience life in a different way. And because of my own transformation, I not only had a vision of what's possible for me, I have a vision of what the world can look like if they have the same transformation that I do, if they awaken, if they discover God, not wonder, not pray, not get caught up in the dogma because they're told they have to or out of fear. My experience, and I was fed when I became spiritually awakened, I was fed by such various types of people from such various backgrounds. And I took a little from here and I took a little bit from there and I really looked at my own experience, and when I came to believe, it wasn't because it was, it was a knowing. It was a knowing that so far deep in your heart, doesn't matter what anyone says or does, you can't deny certain miracles. Mm-hmm. And that transformation I believe I was called. It's what it comes down to. I believe some people are called, and some people are called, and they don't want to hear the calling. I've gone back and forth at times, but I've been called to a larger purpose, to really make a difference in the world. And it's really interesting. Something has been coming up for me, and it's really interesting how it's coming up. My grand, I want to speak about my grandfather for a moment. Mm-hmm. My grandfather, 
I used to think he was silly or he was annoying when I was a little kid. He gave so much love. He was just such a giver. He did nothing but give. And he used to send me letters at summer camp when I was away at summer camp. And he'd put $2 in the letter or a pack of baseball cards. And there'd be little messages in them. And it would say things like, say no to drugs. And I obviously didn't pay attention to that (laughs) message. But there's something about my grandfather's spirit that has recently come up in me. My grandfather was a safety engineer. And everything that he did was for to better mankind. He was, when he was in his 90s and he was starting to lose his marbles, and I thought he was crazy, he would want to send letters to the governors all the time and, 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 and to like, bureaucracy and government and send letters. He had so many great ideas, and I think there were so many people. He didn't know how to crack to really get people's attention to make a difference in the world, though he did make a difference in the world. But he lived for mankind to be different, and he cared about people. I remember on his letterheads, it always said, watch for children. Really? Look, I'm getting honest here. I'm an aggressive driver a lot of the time on the highway. But if you get me in a residential neighborhood, that message resonates so deep in me when it comes to a residential neighborhood because I'm always watching for children. And I realized the giver that he was and how he's committed to making a was committed to making a difference in this world. That same peace is in my heart mm-hmm. where I believe that the world can be such a different place and I have the information and the experience to show others what I've experienced through my addiction and through recovery. I believe I have an obligation, a responsibility I want to make the world a better place. And like Michael Jackson says with the man in the mirror, like just by me being a change and being source, I have an obligation to let the world know that I've had this incredible transformational experience. And life is something can be a lot better than what you probably think it is. There's a different experience on the other side. But people have to discover that. And that's part of my job as a coach and as a communicator is to get that message across to let people know what the answers are. And they get to discover what the answers for themselves. Because I don't ever want to deprive anybody of coming to believe. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful that no one told me in my experience that I needed to believe this way. Or I needed to believe that way. And when I think of what is the best message that I ever received, right before I got clean, a family friend, someone who I trusted 100%, he was my tennis coach in high school, and he was a community leader, and he never judged people. And I think because of his non-judgment and the love that that man gave and the hero that he was in the community, he had an ability to communicate with me And he was a positive male role model that I trusted. And right before I was about to be dope sick and go through the worst pain and agony ever in my life, he planted a seed. 
And he said, Jay, there's two forces in the world. There's a force of good and there's a force of evil. And he said, addiction is a force of evil. And he said, for you to defeat your addiction, to get on the other side, to be clean, to not use drugs anymore, he said, you need to find some force of good. And I believe that is the seed that was planted that started to get fertilized. And when the seed was fertilized, then it started to sprout. Then it started to grow. Then it started to grow like Jack and the Beanstalk. It grew grew in a huge way because I believe the perfect seed was planted. And in that transformation, I was given a vision And when I see the world as unified, abundant, loving, and authentic, I know that I have the ability and the power and all the tools necessary to make that possible because of the butterfly effect. The messages that I carry go out. And just like the guys I've mentored in recovery, they're mentoring guys who are mentoring guys who are taking a message that's carried on over and over and over again. So the beautiful thing of being a coach and being a communicator is the people that we connect and get that message of love across is that they're spreading that message because they're finding a new experience. And as human beings, like I said, when we find something good, we just want to give it to other people. It's like mm-hmm. eating at a good restaurant. Right. I want to tell my friends about it. Mm-hmm. Just don't it. want to tell them about it on the night that I want to be yeah. there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good, good stuff, Jay. Jay, tell me a little bit about this workshop that you have coming up in January. Well, there's two. Right. Two on the same day. Mm-hmm. And the first one is about addiction prevention. It's called Addiction Prevention Now. And ideally, the audience that I'd like to have there is parents of young children. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about some of the actions that parents can take and to become awake and to have a better understanding of really what the monster called addiction is Mm -hmm. and the actions that they can take. And the other workshop that I'm doing is transform and awaken your new decade. And it's going to be about living in principles and discovering the best version of yourself by practicing those principles. It's really simple that the answer is always in principle. So it doesn't matter what problem you have going on in your life. There's a, there's a spiritual solution for it, and the answer is in the principles that you practice. And practicing those principles again in your life, like I said before, it's you will discover the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, my wife just recently became a neuro-linguistic programmer and practitioner. Mm-hmm. And my mind is blown by the results and changes from some of the practices and some of the things that she's done with me. I'm one of those people that I just want, I want results all the time and I want quick results. And I know if you get quick results and you want, we want, you know, as a coach, we like the word breakthrough. And neuro-linguistic programming is a way to get immediate results and immediate 
breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand it as much as she does, of course, <laughs> because I'm not the one who became a practitioner, but it's really excited. So we're really tying in to game-changing things, which is practice being powered by principles and neuro-linguistic programming. So I think that the workshop is really going to be powerful. It's really going to be a game-changer. I think it's just going to be life-changing. And I think it's an eye-opener because practicing the principles is what takes most people that are in recovery, I should say anyone who in 12-step recovery, it works by practicing principles. Mm -hmm. And doesn't matter you don't have to be addicted to have gone down that dark road of recovery to take all the results in your life to a whole nother level because i feel like i'm repeating myself but the answer is always in the principles that right. we practice right absolutely and yeah. i love that you're doing that it's january 11th right yes early, january. early in january beginning of a of a 2020 which stands for so much clarity and so much vision and the beginning of, of a new decade, which is going to be just amazing. So, Jay, I feel like your answer may have been somewhere in the conversation that we've had today. But if you had to pick one fear that you feel very proud to have overcome, could you pick just one? Well, think about what is the fear that most people have? <laughs> I hope. Public, Public speaking, speaking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A lot of people who hear me speak, they make an assumption until they really hear my story and get to know me. And most people make the assumption when they hear people speak, sometimes it makes them feel like a little less than, like, oh, I can't do that. I don't want to get vulnerable in front of anyone. I feel unsafe if I'm vulnerable. And for me, my biggest fear was speaking in front of people. It's amazing. <laughs> Hard to believe now. What I have found, yeah, go figure, mm -hmm. that I'm a professional public speaker. Mm -hmm. You know, we know the stories behind that or how that came to be of me discovering my voice. But what I would say to the world or to those people that have a fear of public speaking, the freedom, keyword being freedom, to just be you, to be vulnerable, is one of the biggest gifts in the world because of the freedom that comes behind it. I do not, when I am on stage in front of people being me, sharing about my past, keeping it real and sharing about the now and talking about the things that are going on with me and how I overcome them, there's a level of vulnerability and authenticity that comes over me that it's, it gives me f total freedom. I don't have to hold back. I don't have to worry about what people think of me about people's judgment on how I'm going to look. I'm able to let go of that complete control and be free. And the reason that is, is that the message is way more important than how I look to you. Mm -hmm. 
It's all about the message. When I open my mouth, there should be value coming out of my mouth and should be nothing but value Mm -hmm. coming out of my mouth. Do I practice that perfectly all the time? Absolutely not. I'm a human being that's still getting better with time. But I hold that standard for myself that when I open my mouth, there should be, it should be a must for me. I realize in this moment right now that I'm saying the word should, and Tony Robbins will say, we don't want to should all over ourselves. Mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine, and I won't mention his name, but he's an incredible source for me. And he says, he doesn't say many words. I talk a whole hell of a lot more than he does. But when he opens his mouth, there's nothing but value that comes out of it. It's laser and it's effective. So I know for me that when I articulate and get up in front of people, there's a freedom that comes behind it. Mm -hmm. Because within that freedom is how somebody's going to receive the clearest, most effective message is when they're getting Jay. They're getting Jay's authentic self. And that's the beauty. I think when you can find someone who can share such a powerful story from a place of, listen, ego is not here. This is just me sharing. I can get as vulnerable as I want. The connection is much more powerful. The engagement is much more powerful. But the way that the message is received, because you're coming as Jay, you're showing up as what you see is what you get. And... And that's where the magic happens. I think you're not trying to pretend to be anyone. Um, and you mentioned freedom a few times. For those of you who don't know, and I'll share this as well, but please go to teamfreedomcoaching.com. That's Jay's website. He's got a, a wealth of blogs and videos, and he's got a great YouTube channel that you'll be able to connect and see more of the work that he's doing. But I just encourage you to to visit his website. Um, and I just wanted to mention that because I heard uh, freedom in there. And, and Team Freedom is just the perfect, the perfect name for your company. Because that's really what, what you do. But you're bringing people freedom. So, Jay, if, um, if I looked you up in the dictionary today, what would it say? Well, I have a contract to myself. So the contract is that I am a powerful, authentic, vulnerable, visionary leader. It would be those simple I love it. five words. And it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. And Jay, what do you want um, people to know about why you do what you do? Why I do what I do. It's easy for me to say that I'm meant to do it. Mm -hmm. It's because when I do what I do, I get to feel great. And it doesn't always necessarily feel great because the challenges to do what I do, there's always challenges. When we want to follow a dream, when we want to make a difference in the world, I thought that when I realized I had a voice that I would just carry the message and that people would want to listen all the time and it's not always the case it always there's always going to be resistance there's always going to be challenges there's always going to be naysayers it's not just we're not always in that environment of pure love we're always there's always the resistance there's always that fear that we're fighting on the other side 
on why certain people want to stay asleep. So when we, to have what we want, it takes work. Mm -hmm. But the results and the way we get to feel on the other side is, is priceless. It's incredible. It's... We're motivated by eliminating pain or gaining pleasure. And by myself... Doing what I do gives me lots of pleasure. And it keeps me from experiencing pain. So it's a really simple. As much as I get out of myself and I appear, appear like I do a lot of service and I'm committed to making a monumental impact in this world, all comes said and done, I do it for me. Is really what it is. I get to experience my ideal life. And that's why I do what I, I do. I do it for me. I love it. It's I the best it. case scenario for my life. I love it, Jay. And, and before we end this, um, I just want to, first of all, thank you again for being here. Um, this is, I, I really wanted to have you because I wanted people to experience uh, not only what I get to experience, but really what your vision is for the world. And I, I don't know if you noticed, just when you finished sharing the story of your grandfather, um, I almost like lost my shit in this chair, okay? And I'm a firm believer in, in the soul legacy that our grandparents inject in us. Mm. I had very powerful, loving um, grandparents. My grandmother, my grandfather, my mother's parents were just everything for me. And... And I feel that on your grandfather's letterhead, it's almost like it became so ingrained in you, even if it was subconscious, that you almost saw it as a mandate. Yeah. And you are now watching for children. And you're going to change the world, my friend. And I can't wow, wait. Wow. I, <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um to have a front row seat to that. I just didn't see that till just now. I, thank, I figured thank you didn't. You. I figured you thank didn't. Thank you. But um, it's very plain, very plain, very there. And 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 I I applaud you for for taking on the challenge, even if it's subconscious. And freaking nobody's gonna go through what you went through if you have anything to do with it. Is what it sounds like to me. So what a blessing for the children. What a blessing for the parents. But um, this is going to be fun, my friend. And thank you for being here. Okay? Thank you, Berta. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks for listening to the Dreamers Succeed podcast. If you like our show and want to know more, check out dreamersucceed.com slash podcast. And please leave us a review. It helps out a lot unless you think it sucked. Just kidding. We know you loved it. We have a new show every week. So we hope to see you next time.